Welcome to the Abundant Leap Podcast. I'm your host, Chance Wellam. I'm a speaker, consultant, and thought leader here at Abundance.io. In this podcast, you'll discover your strengths, find turnkey business models, and get expert guidance for life's biggest financial moments, where we have trained and consulted over 35,000 entrepreneurs on how to start their first online business, and we've helped existing business owners start their second and third stream of income. You can learn more at Abundance.io, and of course, check us out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify at the Abundant Leap Podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another amazing episode here at the Abundance.io podcast. I'm your host, Chance Weldon, and I have a great friend, first of all, and uh, Mike Brown here on the show. We met through Baby Bathwater, but I'm trying to remember which event was like the first one that I got to meet you. Man, it's been a it's been a few years now, uh, but perhaps Croatia 2019. I think I think that might have been it, and then we're maybe we did Cabo together as well. Yep. Yeah, we've done Cabo, we've done Texas, we've 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 uh, had a few uh, good times, as Definitely. they as they say. <laughs> Definitely, man. I know that we had talked about getting you on the show, so uh, I'm glad to have you here. Um, just really bring us up to speed on what you're working on currently, because you know our following is a lot of first time entrepreneurs or people that are already successful in their career and looking to create other sides of income. How to be smart about uh, their wealth, how to invest in the right way, how to protect it. Because we've had this conversation multiple times one part of it is generating it the other part which is a completely different game is holding on to your money and my good friend david Meltzer told me he's like uh a millionaire will go bankrupt at least twice in his life and that blew my mind so let's let's really dive into that and talk about what you're excited about how you're helping people today of really being smart about their money especially in the climate that we're in right now i mean a lot of things are, are changing and shifting so i'm really curious to hear where you're helping people focus their time and energy to really protect their empires. Yeah. So uh, I think before I, I uh, say exactly what I'm working on now, it's helpful to have the context. I, I flew jets for the Navy for many years. So I was a fighter pilot. And uh, after I got out, I founded an oil and gas investment firm. I sold that in 2019. And I was on the exact roller coaster that you're talking about. And we can dive into to what that looks like. But uh, I started the journey to becoming a coach and realized that many entrepreneurs had money blocks and had issues that were keeping them from the life they desire, right? We get into this gig in order to create this life of freedom. And then all of a sudden it becomes a trap because we don't have the right mindset and the right relationship to money to use our wealth to serve us. So I founded uh, my current company, Unbreakable Wealth, to help entrepreneurs understand that relationship to money and make better investment decisions. And that's what I'm focused on now. Very cool. And I know that you didn't just come up with this wild idea like overnight. It's, you know, very helpful to really kind of go back to the beginning of where you're at and dive more into that so people can really understand like your your backstory and why it makes sense for you with where you're at in your life and why you're able to add so much value. Yeah. I mean the look the bottom line is that uh if information was all that we needed to be wealthy, a lot of us would be a, a lot richer, right? There's plenty of information out there on how to make money and uh, how to invest money. And uh, you know, you, you guys have a ton of great information. But uh, the fact is, is that it's not what you make, it's what you keep. And I am a, a living, shiny example of this. You know, I, I sold my company for eight figures in 2019 
And uh, in reality, the day I sold my company, I thought I would never be unhappy again. I had worked for the last 20 years, singularly focused on, on building this company so that I could create this life. And I, I completely thought that if I just had enough money, all of my problems would go away. And two years later, I am working harder than I've ever worked. I'm losing $100,000 a month on an on a e-commerce company that I was trying to turn around from bankruptcy. Uh, I'm, I'm building this amazing house, but there's cost overruns and the bills are stacking up. And even though I'm a multimillionaire on paper, I can't access any of that capital because it's all invested in startups and you know all of these different deals that came across my desk over the years. And even though, like I said, I'm a, I'm, I'm a millionaire on paper, I am completely broke. I am scared. I am terrified. And, and most importantly, I'm ashamed. I can't even look myself in the mirror because I had tasted this freedom and I blew it. Wow. Can you dive more into that? Like when you say blew it, like what actually happened? Why are you so afraid? Why do you feel so ashamed? Yeah. I mean, so. We have this, we have this uh, I think, love affair with entrepreneurship in our society, and we, and we pedestalize entrepreneurs. And uh, the thing that entrepreneurs are supposed to do when they make money is then become an angel investor. So I always thought that was, that was the move that you were supposed to make, is if you start making money, now you go invest in other people's deals, and that's, and that's where the real money is. And the, the fact is a couple of things. Number one, uh, nobody cares as much as you do about your money. And number two is that uh, a mentor of mine said, don't make it twice. Meaning I've already made this money in my primary business and now I'm taking it out and reinvesting it into somebody else's business where they have to go make the money in order to pay me back. So that's a principle I wish I'd learned uh, uh, many, many years ago. And, and this journey for me doesn't even start when I sold my company. I, I became an angel investor in, in 2014 and and I invested uh, several million dollars in the angel deals from 2014 to, to 2017, um, you know, all in the hopes of of growing this this empire and and you know looking on it like Andreessen Horowitz and Tim Ferriss and like VC was very in vogue, and so I really thought that was the way to make money and that I was going to invest in the next Uber, but the fact is like I was taking risks that were completely outsized relative to my net worth. Mm-hmm. I was I was. I was writing $50,000, $100,000, $150,000 checks into these startups. And there's a few things that I had to learn. Number one is I was addicted to risk. And, and we could talk about the neurochemistry and why that happens uh, in a minute. And the other thing is, is that I actually, even though I, I built a properly uh, defined portfolio and understood how to hedge risk at my primary business, my personal finance was a mess because no one actually taught me how to be wealthy. There's a lot of people out there teaching people how to get rich, but there's very few talking about how to be wealthy and what you're supposed to do with your money after you start making it. So that's the journey I went on uh, of, okay, understanding where is this risk addiction coming from? And then B, okay, if I'm not taking these risks anymore, what is it that I'm actually supposed to be doing with my money? Yeah, because... That's what people think, you know, once you make you start investing in all these super high risk companies and like it's outside of your realm, you have no control over it. Most of the time, you're a very silent partner that can't come in and consult and help with like the marketing or the sales processes or the infrastructure. And so, yeah, it becomes extremely risky. And three investments that I made where I lost 
in total, probably 400 grand was investing in friends' businesses that they had a great idea, but they had never been business owners before, sold me on this big idea, but then didn't want to listen to me when I needed to get in and actually start making moves of like, hey, I didn't let you invest to be my boss. And then friendships explode, business fails. And again, I was investing in it the way I would with my business. Because I know every dollar I go and spend on marketing, I know I'm going to get three to five X back because I'm pulling all the freaking levers. So I, exactly. dude, I, I'm hearing you loud and clear and I'm, I'm learning so much and seeing so many things now that I'm like, you're absolutely right. Like I went down the same, um, uh, road that you did in, in a lot of different instances. Yeah. And, and look, it's, it's not your fault. We're, this is what we're told to do. This is, this is like the, this hero's journey of the venture capitalist entrepreneur is like, is, is shoved down all of our throats. And that's, that's how we believe we're, we're supposed to get to the next level and what you're supposed to do once you start making money. But yeah, I mean, the fact is we have no control over these investments. And this I want to make really clear is that it's not even that I was a bad investor. I picked some great deals. But when you invest in an angel deal, you're looking at a minimum of five to seven years to get your money back, even if they knock it out of the park. So even if it 100Xs your money, you can't actually touch that capital for, again, minimum five to seven years, and in some cases, even longer. So a lot of those companies that I invested in in 2014 are actually doing great. I just can't access that capital. So I can't pay my bills with it. I, I can't pay my mortgage. Uh, and so it really doesn't matter to me at this point. And hey, look, it's great to have on the balance sheet. And one of those days, one of those companies is going to sell and I'm going to get a, you know, a lottery ticket and it's going to feel really good. But the fact is, like, I was investing in other people's dreams at the expense of my own family. Like, I needed to be taking care of my family and putting things away from me for a rainy day to create a safety net. And, and I mean, there are instances when I was investing, you know, the, the last 150K or 200K that I had in my bank account. And I was like, oh, that's okay. I'll just make more because I always had. Right. And um, that easy come, easy go mentality again, really became a limiting belief. It was, it was wildly helpful starting my company, right? Like burn the boats, take risks, bet on myself. Like that is what you need to be successful as an entrepreneur. But then as you start to rake chips off the table, you've got to change that mindset. And you got to go from an accumulator of wealth to a defender of wealth. And I didn't know what that meant at that time. Oh, I like that. I like that. So you know, you've talked about some of the risky investments that you've made. Some are going to pay off. Some may. Some some may not. Um, what are some lessons you learned along that path? And like right now, for people in this current environment where everyone's been talking about, oh yeah, I go put it in the stock market or go put it in real estate. A lot of things are changing. Real estate market's down by twenty five percent. Inflation's up. Like it's a completely different ball game. Where are you looking to defend your capital right now? Well, number one, the the number one rule of wealth. Is don't lose money, uh, and I violated that uh, a, a number of times. Oh, but I'm doing my best to quit. Yeah, right. So, so whatever you invest in, and and you know, you bring up real estate. That's an interesting point. Like it may fluctuate by twenty five percent, but like real estate's not going to zero. Mm-hmm. Startup investments can go to zero, and right. and many of them do. And there, and there's a stat when you're investing in startups that a a, a VC fund makes sixty seven investments. They expect 10 to give them some money back and two to return the entire portfolio. And that means there's 55 companies that fail. So if you're not prepared to make 67 investments, then you aren't ready to be a venture capitalist. But what I'm doing now is, okay, so number one, don't lose money. Number two, 
liquidity is king, cash is king. And that doesn't mean necessarily keeping cash in the bank account, but if I can access it in 24 hours, that's liquid. So, so I want to have one year of lifestyle, uh, living expenses put away, and ideally like six months of business operating capital completely put away into uh, some sort of, of, of liquid uh, investment. So for me, that might mean an S&P 500 index fund. Uh, it might mean a, a high yield money market account. But somewhere when the shit hits the fan, it doesn't matter. My business can keep operating and, and I can keep living for a, an extended period of time. And that just gives me a safety net. So what I would say to the listeners is, if you don't have that, don't invest in anything else. Don't start buying houses. Don't start... I mean, give yourself some runway and some, and some cushion. And then you can go lever up and buy real estate because you have 12 months of payments in the bank. Great insight. Great insight. And you're so right. I mean, over the years, it's like I've had my, my cash businesses. I've made some crazy high leverage investments, lost a ton in crypto. I've made some back. I've made a ton in gold. Like I'm loving that investment right now. I'm doing a lot of trading in gold. Um, but yeah, when it goes back to real estate, it's like the two properties that I own that were Airbnb and that were refining or pulling cash out to buy other properties. Um, it's just like, wow, you can't really lose there. Um, when you're getting into that side of things. And I was listening to this podcast the other day. I can't remember his name. He was a self-made billionaire out of Miami. Um, big, big real estate mogul. And he was like, yeah, I just kept using hard money to buy the properties. I'd fix and flip them. And then 1031 those into the next one or hold on to them or live in them for a year. So I was never paying capital gains and then refine them, be pulling that money out. So it was, it was tax free. And he was like, you hear one, you hear people talking about like one avenue, but now there's so much knowledge out there where you can start combining multiple models with real estate and really get ahead of the game. So I think right now in this correction, where now there's a lot of people trying to offload and they can't, you can create these creative financing deals. You know, there, there's a lot of, new rules to the game, I think, right now that people can take advantage of if they're, if they're paying attention. Absolutely. But the, the number one thing to be able to take advantage of some of the deals that are starting to come to market is you have to have a war chest. You have to have access to capital, whether that's uh, via leverage or cash. Like You have to have a war chest. And, and that's when the best deals come about is if I've got 100, 200, you know, a million dollars saved going into this recession, now, you know, uh, if if there's a, a massive downturn and, and a lot of inventory available, I can go start snapping some of those properties up and I'm ready to go. And, and that is where generational wealth is created is on the worst day of the market, be a buyer. Yep. And the way to and the way to do that is to have that war chest. You know, the other the other thing that I like to tell people is that there are a million ways to get rich. All you have to do is pick one, max two, and then just execute. And uh, when I talk to people about you know why they don't feel good about their personal finances or or why they never get started with investing, it's because it's overwhelming. The information is too overwhelming. You're supposed to have real estate. You're supposed to have crypto. You're supposed to have stocks. You're supposed to have life insurance, four hundred one k. You need a shell corporation and a trust and all. Like it, it sounds so complicated that n- nobody ever gets started. And the fact is, look, most people will spend more time trying to avoid taxes, then if they just reinvested that time into making money in their primary business, they would actually come out ahead. So, you know, find a strategy that works for you. And and I don't know what that is, right? It doesn't matter 
It could be life insurance. It could be real estate, like whatever your thing is and become an expert at that thing. And the most powerful wealth building strategy on the planet is rinse and repeat. And the greatest destroyer of wealth is distraction. Absolutely. I, I, I see this with entrepreneurs all the time. They get their primary business humming, right? They get to a place where, oh man, we're finally making some, some money. Everything's stable. We've got our operations dial. We're starting to scale our marketing. And then they go launch a new product. They go acquire a new company. They fire their marketing agency and, and redo their offer. Like, and, and most of this could be avoided if we just ask one question. Like, Am I doing this because it's the right move or am I doing this because I'm bored? And it, it is, it's always because of boredom and like, um, and that's the thing about being a serial entrepreneur. It's a double-edged sword. It can, it's amazing because our brain is always problem solving and always, you know, evolving to the next, whatever it is. But then also, like you said, distraction is the killer of wealth. And I've gone through so many different yo-yo effects of that. It's like, oh, this one's humming. We're doing seven figures a month. Amazing. And then, oh, let's go start another one and try to like bolt onto that's like why if it ain't broke don't fix it like come on what like what are you trying to solve for like more sales great scale the thing that's working yeah don't go figure it out all over again right and and uh, you know that is a a massive problem is that uh you know because of our driven personality type and if you have a driven personality type what that means is most likely you are comfortable in chaos. So when other personality types would uh, go into flight or freeze, we actually go into hyper-focus mode and we feel calm in the chaos. So what happens then is when we get to safety, we're actually not used to that. And it doesn't have the thrill that's attached with that chaos. So we'll start throwing wrenches into our life or into our business in order to create that chaos and feel that hyper-focus and feel alive. Absolutely. Yeah, Gay Hendricks talks about it in the book, The Big Leap. Um, I play golf with them in Ohio, so we've been going a bit deeper on that concept. But he's like, yeah, we were grown up, food fed, poverty mentality, and always struggling. So then once we figure out like finances and relationship with our partner, then all of a sudden our health like takes a crazy spin. Or, you know, we get in a fight with a friend that it never should have happened. And we just, yeah, again, throwing wrenches because if something isn't struggling, then we feel too good for too long. And then we self-sabotage. And for entrepreneurs, that usually happens inside of our business. Yeah, absolutely. And like, so for me, if you show me someone who is absolutely bored to tears with their business because it is, it is humming along so nicely, like that person is on the verge of making a bunch of money. Yep. Right. Like that's, that's who you want to be. You want to be the entrepreneur that, you know, you're kind of wandering around your office thinking about like, what should I do? Because my team is handling everything. You know, the marketing's humming, my offer's working. Like that's the, the spot you want to inhabit. And, and most of us are afraid to actually uh, just sit in that and recognize like maybe there's nothing to do except scale. Yeah, absolutely. So you talked about kind of like the neurochemistry that happens with that uh, a little while earlier in the interview. Can you dive yeah. deeper on that? Like what is actually happening on the chemical level for us to like not break through to that next level and really understand like how to build our war chest and how to like be okay with that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so when we look at the neuroscience of risk, if I take a risk, say I make a $10,000 investment, and then that comes back to me as 20K, right? Uh, my brain releases dopamine, uh, serotonin, and, and other endorphins that create this sense of accomplishment and well being. And that feeling is actually addictive. 
But the problem is, and this is known as hedonic adaptation, the next time we take a risk, it actually has to be a bigger risk and a bigger payoff in order to maintain that same level of satisfaction. So we end up doubling down and doubling down and doubling down over and over in order just to get that same neurochemical result. And, And that is where this risk addiction comes in. So, you know, there was places where I should have been writing a $25,000 check, but I was writing a $250,000 check because I, but because I wanted to get that next dopamine spike. And so I had to understand what was happening and break that cycle and go, okay, you know, number one, no more angel investments. I'm actually not going to invest in another thing until I have a million dollars in cash or, or stocks, you know, sitting here protected. So, so that's one thing. But then the other thing I had to do is I had to understand my stories around money and my relationship to money and where that came from. So I had to understand, I had to look at, you know, how did I grow up in relation to money? So, you know, uh, my dad was, was squarely middle, lower class. He worked his ass off my entire life and there was five kids. So there was never enough to go around. And, and, you know, uh, he would sacrifice a ton for us, but I would just seeing him work till his fingers bled and not being able to provide the life that he wanted to. And so at that time, I was like, I'm going to make enough money where I never have to worry about it. And so I did. I went out, I set out, and I, I wanted to be a millionaire, and I wanted to make that kind of money. But the, the problem with that statement is the second half, is I never want to worry about it. So then I created this very easy come, easy go relationship with money. And so I would spend and I would invest as fast as it came in, because I never wanted to have to worry about it. Well, I should have been worrying about it. I, sh- I should have been putting it away and, and creating you know, a nest egg for a rainy day and a war chest and all of those things. But this kind of broken relationship with like, hey, if, if I lose it, I'll just make more. And yeah, I will, but I wasn't respecting the energy of money. I wasn't respecting the time and the energy that it took me to get that money in the first place. And I wasn't being a good steward of the money that I already had. Wow. Wow. Yeah, because again, I've I have so much like I'm just connected with you on so many different ways because I've gone through those same cycles, easy come, easy go. And I remember uh, you know, when I first company really, really took off, this was like in 2019, it was like it was just coming in like freaking crazy. And I was just like, like it was a hockey stick business, you know. Yep. This went nuts. Zero to doing five, six hundred K a month in like 90 days, like wild. And, um, and it kept growing. And like you said, easy and easy out. So I started spending a lot more buying has- houses with cash, buying all this stuff. And, uh, I just kept thinking, it's like, Hey, if you want to make more money, spend more money. And so I just, that was my thing. And it was just like, but more was coming in, but more was also going out. Like you said, it's not about how much you make, it's about how much you keep. Finally got budgeting figured out. I was like, holy smoke, there's money going freaking everywhere. And I know that if I invest in myself or in my business, every dollar I spend on that, I get a four to 10x return. Absolutely. And it's the greatest investment. There's so many people now that are starting out. They're like, where do I go invest my money? I make 60 grand a year working at a job. Where do I go invest my money? And I always say, invest in yourself. It's the best investment you can ever make. And until you are like 100 to 200K like liquid, that is the only thing you invest in your, is is in yourself because you can skills. go to these Absolutely. you can go to these seminars you can download these podcasts you can get these trainings online for a couple thousand bucks that is going to help you take your life to the next freaking level and you really have to figure out your cash cow once you get a cash cow going that's printing money for you 
then like you said, that's when you can start taking 20% of that, go start making these smart investments because money does come and go. Like when it was just cranking then, I'm like, oh, yeah. it's all, it's always going to be like this. We're always going to have a million dollar a month business. We've cracked the code. The market's not going to change. Our buyers aren't going to get older. <laughs> like you start thinking about all this stuff because- You believe your own bullshit. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, totally, man. And that's and that's what I tell people all the time. Like, uh, great question. Like, where should I be investing? And, and you nailed it. Number one is invest in yourself, invest in skills. Number two, let's say you're a little further along. Now you are a business owner and you're in a place where you can start clipping some money. The best place, you have a vehicle for beating the market. And that is your own business. Mm-hmm. You invest, like you said, if, if I took that million dollars that I put into startups from 2014 to 2017, and it had reinvested it in my oil and gas business, it would have been worth 5 million at my exit. I've done that math, period. And like, yeah, like I said, right now, some some of them may have gone up, some of them maybe maybe go to zero, but it's probably not worth five million bucks, and I can't access it. So the best place to invest is in your primary business. And then every dollar that you take out of your primary business should be going to hedge risk, not create more risk. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you don't need to beat the market with your investments, even if it's in a money market four percent account that's just keeping the cash safe. Like that's okay. Because you can always reinvest in your in your primary business and grow that business and beat the market all day long. And that's where you should be doing it. And and unless you are an expert at real estate or you know, day trading or options or crypto or whatever, like if, unless you're willing to put in the tuition and the time and and the effort to become a true expert, like probably just don't worry about it and focus on the one thing that you are good at. Absolutely. I've learned that hard lesson multiple times. Where, you know, with that last, you know, uh, bull run and everyone's excited, everybody's getting in. And I was even talking to experts that were like, Hey, here are like the 30 projects I'm looking at. You know, this is where I would, I would go. And like people that I thought really understood what was going on, but I wasn't spending the time watching it every day. I wasn't spending the time doing my own research on those projects. And I ended up losing my ass. And I was like, wow, if I would have taken that money. Again, let's put it back into my business or created something that's in my lane. Like I understand coaching, I understand info business, I understand how to scale those. If I just would have taken that and started another brand, it'd be worth 30x what I would have lost in crypto. You know? And so now with anything, it's like even with real estate, it's like I knew I wanted to get into Airbnb and start doing some short-term rentals and retreats and things of that nature. But like one of our brands, they teach how to have the best Airbnb listing in your market. So I went through their freaking, you know, 12-week course before I put up an Airbnb. Right. You know, and look, Air- Airbnb's <laughs> Airbnb is the new e-commerce. Like yeah. e-commerce in 2013 or 2015 was super easy. You put in a dollar, you spit out seven. Like that's not the case. E-commerce got really, really hard over the last mm-hmm. few years, especially with the rising cost of of Facebook and, and, and media and ads and media yeah. and all of that. Okay. Well, Airbnb was really, really popular. And anybody with an Airbnb could have put a listing up in 2021 and made money. Half of all Airbnb listings have come on the market in the last two years, meaning supply has doubled in two years. Mm-hmm. Guess that, guess what that does to occupancy? Guess that what that does to nightly rates? Like it's going down. And now you've got to be doing things like SEO, you know, in your listing. You've got to be putting custom thumbnails and and changing the title and like A B testing. And like if you're doing that, you're on the cutting edge of Airbnb. If yep. you're not, you're losing money. Yep. And uh, we have an Airbnb in Austin. And 
the the return on that investment went down like 60 to 70% in a year. Wow. And 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 so I was like, whoa, what's happening here? Has the market shifted? No, it's just supply. You know, there's a huge supply glut. So now how do I make myself stand out? And I found out there's some real there's some advanced people out there doing some really advanced tactics. All this to say, if you're not willing to put in the effort that you would like to make it a primary business, you should probably be putting your money elsewhere because you're going to get your ass kicked, most likely. Absolutely. For sure. And I mean, there's even guys like with our our guys now, like they're going to create a syndicate that people are like, hey, I I want to be in short-term rentals. I don't have the time, the infrastructure, the team to make it crush. And it's like, great, get somebody that you know knows it and then you know, get in, get on on that side. I know a lot of people make a lot of money in in uh, mobile home parks. I don't know right. anything about it, but Warren Buffett was talking. Everyone's talking about, hey, get into it. I almost bought one, not knowing what the hell I was going to do with it. And then again, yeah. my mentor is like, Chance, you don't know anything about this. Why are you wasting your time? Like, go find somebody that already gets it. Partner with them, you know, because you can leverage other people's skills and and experience and get in on the action that way. And any management fees that they're charging is going to be well worth it because you don't absolutely. have to go through that learning curve and, and incur those losses, right? And that's absolutely, that's why I tell people, if you want exposure to VC, don't become an angel investor, become a fund investor. Go invest in a VC fund, a reputable VC fund. And if you don't have the minimums, there's some really cool uh, crowd uh, funding opportunities now for, for venture capital and for real estate, like uh, you know uh, Fundrise and, and Gridline, some of these really cool companies with low minimums and like, go let the experts do it. If you don't have time to be the expert, concentrate on your primary business till you're bored to tears. Like I said, build it, yep. keep reinvesting there and then take risk off the table and just put it into things that are managed by other people. Like that's what the smart money is doing. Absolutely. So we've talked about so far, like kind of the first two stages of investing, right? If you're under like 100K liquid, be investing in yourself. If you haven't started a business, invest into that. Once you have your business, invest into your business. Now, once you get kind of there, maybe you've sold, maybe you've exited, maybe you got that 5, 10, 15 mil in the bank. Yeah. What, now, what's kind of that next like kind of third phase of wealth preservation going along your, your, your train of, of thought? Yeah. Well, uh, don't forget rule number one, which is don't lose money. Uh, and, and the biggest thing that happens is that uh, people who exit, and, and I'm, I include myself here, is uh, Midas touch syndrome. Meaning, I, I was really good at one thing and I made a lot of money doing it. That means I must be good at everything. Mm -hmm. So now I'm, I'm shotgunning this capital out into all these different deals and, and a lot of these distractions that we talked about. The fact is, if you have 10 or 15 million bucks, you don't need to do a whole lot. You can, you can hand that off to a professional wealth manager and a private banker. You can borrow against that to buy real estate if you want to. But like, that doesn't even have to be actively managed to pay for your lifestyle. But the temptation is to think that we're really good at this stuff and go try and turn that 15 into 100. And, and another mentor of mine said, it is, it is so much easier to take 1 million and turn it into 10 million than it is to take 10 turn it into a hundred and it's the same rate of return. Fair. So, yeah. So as you're getting to that place where, uh, you know, there is some real wealth starting to accumulate, it, it really is just focus on rule number one. Don't get distracted and, and make sure that you're not losing money because you can, 
live the life of your dreams on very passive investments at that point. And so, you know, outside of real estate, I mean, because that's what I've seen is that and some other like trading stuff we're doing as passive. But what are some other creative ways that you've seen or maybe you even executed on? Especially, I feel like every year we get into the future with, you know, AI and VR and systems and SaaS and all these things that are like rolling out. I'm just seeing like a lot of other plays coming to light, but I'm curious to see. Yeah. Where your head's so, at with so, that. So, um, uh, it, this is counterintuitive, but like, I don't need any of that. Like, I don't, like, at, at some point, I don't actually need to beat the market and, and invest in these high yield type things. So, so what I always help people with is understanding why, like, what is your goal? What are you trying to do? Number one, let's optimize your life. Let's optimize your health. Let's optimize your relationship. Let's optimize the way you're spending your time and figure out what that costs. So once you have that number, now you can back into what do my investments need to make? And again, as you start kind of getting to those, those upper levels of wealth, like it doesn't take risky investments to be able to cash flow enough to, to give you the life of your dreams. Now everything else is just gravy. And that's how you eliminate distraction. You go, no, hey, I know that my wealth is serving my values. And, and again, going back to that wealth building strategy, rinse and repeat. If I'm good at Airbnbs, I'm just going to do 100 Airbnbs. I'm going to build an investment profile. I'm going to say, hey, I acquire Airbnbs from 1 million to 1.5 million. They need to cash flow this much. Here's the yield. And I just go look for that deal over and over. And I buy the same deal over and over and over. And then I keep a safety net over here in the market. And like, that's it. That's all I need to do. And, and the crazy thing is, like, most people think that it has to be more complicated than that, but it doesn't. Like, like mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be hard. Just pick one or two things, get good at them, and don't get distracted. Wow. Simple, but extremely profound. Because even in that example with Airbnb, it's like, yeah, you cracked the code on like that one to $1.5 million home. But now you're like, no, I'm going to go buy a luxury property. I'm going to go lock up a $4 million home in a market that I don't know and charge more. What's like then when you go into there, it's like you got to make sure you're nailed down with events, with weddings, with bachelor parties. Now you're in a whole different market. And that's where people get caught with their pants down. Absolutely. And, and like I said, think go back to that, that uh, risk and hedonic adaptation. If I buy a million dollar property and it does great, and then I buy a $2 million property and it does great, now I go out and buy a $4 million property and I break my pick because it's completely different than the $1 million property. right? And, and entrepreneurs do this over and over and over. But you could have had four $1 million properties just like your first one and you've, and you've nailed that market. You've absolutely crushed it. And it's counterintuitive to do the same thing over and over again because all we hear about is like diversification. But what I want to do is I want to find the same deal over and over and over if I know it's working. Yeah. And a lot of these guys have big followings, big entrepreneurs, big investors. Like they got to keep coming up with these sexy ideas for people to keep following them and consuming their content. It's like nobody talks about just keeping it stupid simple because then you'd kind of run out of content ideas. Uh, but it's like one of the most profound things that I've heard on the show thus far uh, with all the interviews that I've done is just like, wow, like not even just keeping it simple, but like whatever that deal is, just keep ripping on that one. Yeah. Absolutely. And by the way, like you still have to be vigilant. Like the market can change. You know, like I said, we were cash flowing 10K a month on our Austin Airbnb 
And then all of a sudden it's down to 3K. Like, oh no, like what changed? I've got to, I've got to, you know, so there's always challenges that you've got to be figuring out. It's not just, you know, stupid, simple and, and easy as I like, as I, I put it out there. But yeah, I mean, if, if there were no secrets, if the secret was it doesn't have to be hard, people would sell a lot, a lot fewer courses. Right. Right. But, but, uh, you know, uh, it, the, hey, how I'm generating, you know, millions with, with AI to leverage and stuff like, cool. And like, if that's your primary business and you want to leverage AI, like, like go for it. But if I already have a business that's working, like it really probably doesn't behoove me to go learn about AI and crypto and like all of these things that they're just a distraction from scaling that business. And that business is where my wealth is. Unless I've, unless I've exited, my primary business is my driver for wealth. So I need to be redeploying my dollars. And more importantly, I need to be redeploying my time into that business and be singularly focused. Absolutely. Absolutely. So for the people that are listening in, I mean, if they want to keep following you, get more of your information, you know, get more of some of your teachings. I know you guys are doing a retreat this week at your gorgeous house in Colorado. Uh, but where can people keep following up with you and learn more about what you're up to in the future? Yeah. So uh, you can follow me on Instagram uh, at mbrown.co. Uh, that's also my website, uh, mbrown.co or unbreakablewealth.co. You can learn more about my retreats. Uh, we've got some really exciting things coming this fall. Uh, I do have, I do do one-on-one coaching and help people uh, with their relationship to money. Uh, I've helped a lot of founders post-exit kind of go through the what does it all mean thing. So that's that's a, a niche that I really, really enjoy because again, that's kind of my own journey and and it's uh, it's always incredibly fulfilling to, to help people on that front. But uh, yeah, uh, give me a follow on Instagram, uh, go to the website, sign up for the newsletter and uh, yeah, uh, we'll uh, keep the conversation going. Absolutely. And guys, we'll put all the links down below this episode so you can go find them there. Uh, Mike, Thanks so much for being on here, man. I learned a lot. Definitely. I was taking notes. I'm going to go back and listen to this. Guys, you might want to replay this episode because it was simple but profound. And if I'm already coming out of this, I've thought of ways of how I'm going to execute on the knowledge you've shared with me. So uh, guys, I'm excited to uh, you know have Mike on here and make sure you go and follow him. And uh, dude, we might have to do another episode down the line because I'm really excited about what you're up to now. And I know there's a big need in the market for all of these fresh entrepreneurs because back in the day really before the internet it was hard to make a million dollars you needed a big farm you needed a factory you need a big car lot like you needed tons of infrastructure and it it was a such a high barrier to entry well now you can literally set up an e-com store or you can co-host some of their Airbnb properties and get up to making you know a couple hundred thousand pretty quickly and it's like now there's such an influx of those new entrepreneurs new money as they call it and yeah. you don't have that system back, you know, behind it. So if you guys are in there making money, struggling with holding on to it or, or what to do next, check out my man, Mike Brown, so that he can help guide you guys through that. Yeah. Thanks, Chance. Appreciate it, my friend. Cool, brother. Good to see you. And I'll, I'm sure we'll see you soon. I need to get out to Colorado and see the rest of the crew. There's, I have so many friends in Denver and Boulder now. It's insane. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, come on, come come see Hunter and the and the the rest of the homies. We're uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a good crew out here. It's fun. Awesome, man. Well, so good to see you, and uh, we'll be in touch, guys. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode here at the Bunnets.io podcast. Make sure to hit those links below here to follow up with Mike Brown. I will see you guys on the next episode here at Abundance.io.